here. Hello and welcome to Focus on Fantasy Romance, episode 17, a podcast where we discuss books, genre, industry, and our geeky lives. I am A.R.D. Clerk. I am joined by L. Klaus. Hey. Paulina Woods. And Isabel Tori. Today in episode 17, we are actually going to review a book. Uh, the name of the book is Betrayal's Price. And Elle has a picture on the screen. Author is Lisa Blackwood. And I will read you very quickly the Amazon blurb. For some, rebirth is not a reward. Centuries ago, the gods demanded a Shana stone mantle sacrifice her demon-tainted lover. She did, and then ended her own life, but it didn't fulfill her obligations to the gods. Born into a new body, Ashena has no awareness of her former life until her sentient magic manipulates her into seeking out Sorntar, crown prince of the phoenix. The majestic and charismatic Sorntar reveals that she is host to a Larnkin, a spirit creature of vast power. If she can trust the word of a man who is part avian, he is host to her Larnkin's other half. When their Larnkins awaken early and force them into an unbreakable bond, Ashena and Sorntar are accused of being corrupted by an ancient evil. To prove their innocence, they must discover what happened in the past to pit bondmate against bondmate. As the search for the truth draws them closer together, Ashena realizes she's falling in love with Sorntar. But before she can tell him, his tainted Lar Larnkin enslaves him. The gods demand she kill her beloved, as she did once before, but she will not do it, even if it's the only thing that will keep her soul safe from his darkness. So, that is a very long, drawn-out blurb. Um, so, Betrayal's Price is labeled a sword and sorcery fantasy. Um, I felt like it had some romantic... Um, this is a romance. This yes. is a fantasy romance. I don't know why she doesn't have it in the fantasy romance category, but she it's has it listed. Romance. It's, it starts <laughs> out with two characters... It's, you know, it goes through an entire romantic arc and then it has an ending that is technically probably happy for now. Spoilers. Um, oh, yeah. Spoilers. The whole thing. Spoilers. The whole thing is going to be a spoiler. Um, but this is book one of a longer series. So at this point, it, we're going to leave it at happy for now. Um, but I have a feeling that it's going to be a happily ever after because she has created such a really strong romance um, bond thing in this book. So, um I'll start with my perception of the story. So I, I enjoyed the story. Um, I don't particularly feel like I was um, attached to any one particular character. I I liked the heroine and the hero was okay. And they had a pretty good adventure. And so, you know, in the long run, I thought it was a good fantasy romance novel. What I particularly... Um, liked the best, what drew me the most in the story was um, the way that the author gave you hints about what had happened to these characters in the past kind of throughout the book until you get to the point where you sort of learn their secret past and um, you know, this big secret that's revealed and the heroine has to do something magical and fantastic to save her beloved, which is, which was good. And I, I enjoyed that part and the action scenes were good. And I thought it kept up a good pace. Um, and the world building was pretty good. So all in all, I was pleased with it. Um, I read it pretty quickly. It wasn't very complicated, um, as far as 
having tons and tons of characters who remember their names. Sometimes that really bothers me, and I have to go back and say, okay, so this is, you know, character A, and he's B's brother, but daughter, you know, he's cousin to whoever. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, there weren't a lot of characters to, to get to know or anything like that. It focused mostly on the main characters, so um, that part I enjoyed. What about you, Elle? What were your feelings on the book? Um, I really liked it when I got to the ending. Um, when I first started it, because um, I read on my breaks at work, um, I would read a chapter and put it down. And I didn't have the strong compulsion to pick it up until I was probably about halfway through. Um, but I really, I did really enjoy uh, pushing to the end. Um, I like the magic system that the author created with the, the Larnkins. And I'm going to stumble over everyone's names because, as I mentioned before, when I read a book, I kind of fix the names in my head. I'm like, so some of the names were actually kind of chunky for me to pronounce or say in my head. So things got truncated or simplified or I threw out consonants just to make things flow better. So, um, and I thought there was too many names that started, names or things that started with similar letters. So I was getting confused because there was a character name of, I think, Lamara and Ashina's previous, uh, incarnation started with an L and then there's the Larnkins and then there's all L something else that's the other half of the the Larn yeah so I mean that got a little confusing um it would have been helpful if the author had just just picked different names that were not so similar um I really like Sarntar <laughs> I told you I'm gonna butcher a name I don't know he was just really I, I have I really like characters that are extremely powerful and and, and in control of themselves. I, I don't like it's hard to explain. Like um, they make a conscious effort to be gentle when they don't have to be. Um, and I really liked him. I had a hard time relating with Ashina because she she has this deep rooted fear of magic, but I didn't ever feel the fear of the magic. I felt the fear for other things that were going around, going on around her and, you know, the fear of falling in love and, and whatnot. But like, I didn't actually feel the fear of magic. And this was supposed to be her hurdle throughout the whole book is her getting over this fear. I'm like, I just, I just don't feel it. Um, <clears throat> and like I said, this is a fantasy romance and it, but it is not, it's not in Amazon as such, but if you look at the bottom of the blurb, it does say that it's a fantasy romance, sword and sorcery. And I looked at book two, which is the Herd Maiden, and I had a suspicion when I heard the name of it that it was it is Ashana's sister and these horse-like magical creatures, the Santherian, Santherian, yeah, I'm saying it wrong horse-like creatures and so I'm pretty sure that's her book and then there's there's one about the the dead queen or something like that and so I'm like I yeah this is totally fantasy romance and she's just I don't know like me she's in denial about what she's reading so um, let me ask you a question so one of the things that interested me but also made it a little bit difficult for me to relate to the characters were the fact that they're actually different species 
So right. they're extremely different. Like he he has um human upper torso, but he has all these avian features. And um, you know, he has like a ta- he has tail feathers and he has large wings and he has talons and he has, you know, a plumage on top of his head and and um so I'm sitting here trying to imagine, you know, what this character looks like and I find it really hard for myself to to feel like I was finding him attractive because I it took me so long to picture in my head what he looked like. He wasn't fully a human, you know what I mean? So like Right. I had to think about it for a while before I could, you know, she's talking about how he's sexy and he's all these things. And I'm like trying to think past the feathers and the, the talons. And yeah. It took a little, stuff. took a little bit of, it was, it was kind of jarring when, so you introduce a character and you're automatically like the reader will automatically think, you know, male or female, but they're like me. So <clears throat> I read a book. I think they're, they're, white person, male or female, whatever. So I get this image in my mind, like the first page that I'm introduced to this character, and then suddenly they have feathers. And suddenly they're much taller than I thought they were because I had no detail. And suddenly they're, um, they've got talents. So yeah, like you kind of, when you're introducing a new species, a, a new race of people, you really have to get the details in quick because the reader will fill in the details and then when they read something that's different than what they thought it throws them out of the story and that that makes for it sometimes people won't even finish i'm like oh well what is this i i gonna put it down or you know so it yeah it was kind of jarring i was i was able to look past most of it but that's because like i said i, I fill in the i willfully fill in the blanks like if i don't like something eh, we'll just we'll just fix it <laughs> i'll change their name or or they don't they don't actually have that feature or i'll just ignore it <laughs> you know it, um, it took me a little bit and like you at the beginning of the book i felt was a little bit slow and i i was learning all these magical creatures and this magical world and all these things but um by the end i cared enough about what happened to the two characters to get past the fact that they that one of them isn't technically completely human or at human at all actually is a phoenix but still so like um yeah it took me a little bit i think to to kind of build up to you know that and you're right because when readers read books they immediately in their mind what they picture is someone very much like them or what's attractive to them you know it's it's not necessarily what the author has in mind um to as attractive but what the reader is like oh well his name is so and so and he must look like this because that's what i think is attractive right so um okay so i know that paulina um had some issues with the book and i wanted her to tell us why yay my turn i'm just kidding um so one i downloaded it it wouldn't open i downloaded it again wouldn't open deleted it downloaded it again it wouldn't open finally read it on my computer but um i think the feeling i got when i i i it's a do not it's a did not finish for me so i'm not going to go into characters and all this stuff but you know for me it didn't a book has to grab me from the very beginning and this one it just didn't get my attention. I kind of found myself going flip, flip. And then I have to go back and think, 
was this book one? Because it started out as almost the middle of a series. Like, I felt like I was missing something when I first read it. So then if I have to keep thinking back and it, I just lost, I lost the story, unfortunately. So yeah, didn't finish. Sorry. Um, the cover is pretty. <laughs> I do have to say that with the um, technical problems, that may not be the author's fault. Um, sometimes Amazon Fs things up. I know the, the great Amazon is impervious to error, but yeah, sometimes Amazon. Oh, I'm not blaming. Up, so. I'm not even blaming the author for that one. I'm just saying I, I think I just had problems from the beginning. The mm -hmm. the thing was I just my do not finish was I it didn't grab me. It just didn't. It did it like it. I was so distant from the book because I kept thinking I was missing something. Like I should have read something before that I kind of didn't. And from what you guys say that, you know, she said it all throughout the book, but I just felt like I was missing something in the beginning. And so I didn't connect with the authors. I, I have to agree with you, Paulina, about that feeling though, because she picks up the reader and dumps them basically in the middle of this magical world with your main character running and you have no idea what she's running from anything like that you know and then all of a sudden she tells you that wolves and armor are coming out of the trees so you're like oh so uh, it is very much like there is no historical background or context for where the book picks up so i do agree with you in that um I liked the world enough and, and was interested enough to find out what happened that I kept reading, but I can see how some readers would get put off by that because they're like, I don't know what the heck's going on here. Like if some people, if they're not immediately hooked by, you know, what they're reading, then, then they can't get hooked. Yeah. And, and I just, I didn't, I think going along that line, I didn't care about if she was caught or not because I didn't know her. So like when she was running and I, I cared more about the horse. I was like, Hey, let the horse run away. Don't let the horse get eaten. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. I like the horse. Um, one thing that I did very much enjoy, and we actually had talked about this a little bit before was the formatting for this book is, is gorgeous. And I actually had the same problem that Paulina did. It would not load past the blurb on my Kindle fire. I actually had to read it on my phone. Um, even though I deleted it from my carousel and re-downloaded it, it still would never page past the blurb um, on my Kindle Fire. But on my phone, um, it read fine. And I thought that the formatting was gorgeous. And um, what's nice about it is that there are all these little curly cues and pictures. And if I can find one, I'll kind of show it to you where it kind of picks up okay like yeah like that like what l has up on the screen right now um it's just really pretty and here's if you i'm not sure you can see but here's a chapter heading and he has the little bird and that has all the curly cues and the pretty and i like the pretties i mean it, it i was like oh this is a really pretty book um beyond you know what the words were saying um i just thought it was really pretty and I think the author did a good job making it look professional like that. I think it was very professionally put together. Um, so I did enjoy that a lot. 
Um, I think that was done in Vellum. Have you heard of Vellum? I've heard of it. I have never played around with it. Though. Yeah, I don't. I can't play around with it because it's specific for Mac, and I use PC. And they, they have true. no. I don't have a Mac either. Right. They have no intention of coming out with a PC version because they're like, oh, we just keep adding new stuff to the Mac version, and we don't want to split our attention. I'm like, well, I guess you don't want my business, jerks. Right. That sounds right. But I, I think that that I, I that could probably be Vellum. Mac rules. I'm an Android Windows person pretty much all the way. But so, yeah, so that's one thing that I did like about the book, despite the fact that I couldn't read it on my Kindle Fire, which is probably an Amazon goof. I don't know. Some kind of wonder. I wonder if all that uh, Uber formatting just messed with the Amazon's uh, whatever <laughs> to download it. Wonder if that well, affected it. Then it would it would affect everything. Not like because I read mine on my phone. I read all my ebooks on my phone because I always have it with me. I have a Kindle. I just don't use it. Um, but that wouldn't it shouldn't have made a difference between form uh, you know loading it on a Kindle and loading it on my phone. Oh, I do have it's to the add same file. I do have to add that when I read it on my computer and I went back to my phone, it says furthest read was tw was twenty two on you know the other device. Do you want to start there? And I said yes, and all of a sudden now it flips. Hmm. So it just it just might be, like you said, Kindle acting up, being stupid. A glitch. Something's going on there. Yeah. I, yeah. I tried to open it uh, before we started this. I tried to open it on my phone, and it wouldn't open in my phone's Android. Weird. I I want to discuss really quickly. We had touched on this earlier, but um. I think we're all in agreement, well, those of us that read the book or finished the book are probably all in agreement that the author has this book shelved probably in, or is missing some categories where this book could be shelved, um, because we're all fantasy romance readers, and we're also all fantasy romance authors, and we know a lot of, I, I don't know if she's trying to, um, by, by putting it in, I don't even know what category it's in, probably just straight fantasy or epic fantasy maybe um Elle's gonna tell us but um yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know if she's trying to appeal to um male readership by not having it shelved in fantasy romance um because it does have some action in it and things like that but primarily in my opinion this is fantasy romance i think she's missing out on a big group of readers who would read this book if it was shelved in fantasy romance Yes, science fiction, fantasy, slash fantasy, slash epic, and sword and sorcery. Um, yeah. So no mention of romance. Is it um, in the blurb? It's in the blurb. It's hard to say. Well, the publisher is listed as Lisa Blackwood, so I would assume yes. <laughs> well, too, I, I also wondered if because it did not have a written in stone happy ever after if she thought she couldn't put it in romance there's a lot of misconception about genre technically didn't have what? a happy for now either spoiler alert it wasn't her beloved who was kind of in control of the body at the time but off and on throughout the end of the book he was in control and he wasn't and he wasn't and he wasn't and so I don't know if maybe she felt like it, it 
wasn't enough of the happy ever after the happy for now to satisfy romance readers i would say it's the happy for now i mean it definitely I has resolution like it's an emotionally satisfying ending to me right because like, they, they resolve the big problem i mean there's an I overall agree. arch that's probably going to be resolved over the series but that couple they they reach their conclusion that hey they're together and they're in love so right exactly i felt the same way i i didn't see any reason why i as a fantasy romance reader would be disappointed with the way the book ended um yeah so I, i'm not really sure what the author was was thinking about when she decided not to put in romance maybe she didn't want to compete with romance romance is one of the biggest markets yeah it is a huge genre it is and well and fantasy in general is a huge genre and especially if you choose epic fantasy you're getting into another huge genre but fantasy romance in general is giant i i can see where that could be a consideration too so there's so this is what's considered secondary world fantasy um and and i write secondary world fantasy like stealing wolf prince's secondary world because it's not earth in the capacity that we understand it um and a lot of people don't understand that's what fantasy mostly is there's urban fantasy which is kind of a relatively new branch from um from fantasy but most people when they think fantasy secondary world um <clears throat> So whenever you go to the actual fantasy romance uh, category on Amazon, it is just littered with not secondary fantasy romance books. It's all paranormal. Like urban fantasy could be there. Totally, that's totally fine. But it's mostly paranormal stuff. And, and maybe she didn't want to put herself in that genre per se because it is overrun with vampires and Twilight nonsense. Ishmael is disappointing <laughs> me. Um, you have to yourself. In the blurb, it says it's a romance, doesn't it? In the blurb? Yes, yes. Well, you know what that, when you put words like that in your blurb, those do count towards keyboard, keywords. Uh, I've actually done some extensive reading on that. So it is probably in romance. She probably just didn't check it into the main uh categories underneath figuring that romance would be picked up underneath the blurb and if that's the case that just means that she's not getting romance readers that just hold on that just means where are her stats that means that people are finding it through the the sword and sorcery fantasy not through romance is what that means so maybe she did target romance because she does put it in her blurb and just there's so much fantasy romance it's it's buried maybe yeah that is one strategy also that they recommend in the promo author groups is to kind of get yourself in as many categories as you can um just for visibility Speaking as uh, someone who is has been known to write in some really tiny niche genres like steampunk romance is absolutely minuscule, and I know Elle writes some steampunk romance too, um, visibility factor is great in the smaller categories, but 
you have very limited readership of people who are going to go out and actually search for steampunk romance and then find you. So if you also put your book in alternate history and you put your book into, you know, time travel, if that's it, or magic or magical realism, if you find those other categories that stack up to, you know, or I do, I'll do science fiction, I'll do steampunk, I'll do science fiction and fantasy, I'll do alternate history, um, and I'll sometimes do magic wizards and uh, magic and witches and wizards, you know, just those other category keywords that can bring readers to your small niche too. Um, Paulina has something to say. Yes. Um, on that topic of putting yourself in smaller niches and stuff, um, I know that we're all part of the group that does, that does a lot of helping of authors. And one of the posts said something about um, in the superheroes, they're noticing there's more vampires and werewolves and they're not superheroes. Like people are starting to place their books in the smaller, the smaller areas, you know, but that pushes the real books down kind of below like okay if i go searching for i want someone who has super strength and all of a sudden i have like a hundred books in vampire i'm like well i don't want to read about vampires you know i want to read about something like um like um jesse k no wait sorry <laughs> i just pronounced his wrong luke. name his name wrong anyways cage yeah thank you luke cage like you know i want to read somebody like him i don't want to read a vampire so you know they they saying that a lot of the smaller genres are now getting overrun by authors who are trying to pick up on those readers that are looking for something totally different but i mean if you go looking for it and you get like seven eight pages of something else you're more likely to just hey i want to read something let's see what we have so i think a lot of authors are actually doing that which i think is kind of wrong because i could place mine in i don't know mages i should and see what happens <laughs> Well, that's yeah. the thing, though. You know, be truthful about what the book is about. That's like Wild Moon. Okay, Wild Moon has werewolves. It has magic. It has, it's futuristic because it has high tech from the future. It has all these things. I chose magical realism as the very top group, which is a shithole of a category to try to ever get a foothold in. Magical realism is so huge. I had to be at like number 9,000 overall in the Kindle store to make the top 100 in magical realism. Really? That's how many people are in that category. Yes. So it wasn't until Wild Moon with a huge promo got to the, like, I think it was like 9,851 in the Kindle store overall to even get to like number 100 in magical realism. So I knew that was a huge category. So I had to do like werewolves and shifters another giant category and magic wizards and witches ages or something else i don't know but like i had to pick like a giant category and then i picked some smaller you know more niche niche categories because i knew that magical realism was a void just a giant black void of thousands upon thousands of books that may or may not be about magical realism i have no clue but i didn't realize when it went into the magical realism category that it was actually that hard to get a foothold in that category ever. Well, if you think about it too, if you've got, 
if you got someone who is actually browsing down through Amazon and says, okay, I want a really good fantasy romance, and they go in there, or no, like time travel romance, and like the whole, the whole top 100 or whatever is the Outlander stuff, and that, that's technically time travel, but there's, there's so much other stuff in that genre that could be floating to the top, but it's just saturated. Maybe that wasn't a good example. But like, um, well, no, like I, Paulina said, the, the, the superhero stuff that people are throwing in vampires. Well, vampires aren't superhero. They're a paranormal creature. Like, they don't, they don't have superpowers because they're, you know, bitten by a spider or saturated with gamma radiation. They're, they're vampires. It's just, you've got someone, if, if they're looking for... They're, if they're looking for something specific to that genre, they find a book, buy it, and it's not that genre, the reader's going to be mad. Yeah, I read they're time travel. So I actually do get mad about that. Like, I love time travel. And I have learned when I search to go down to the 10th page and then start from there. Because if you don't, you just get a lot of just crap. I'm like, how do you even make that think you're doing time travel. No, time travel isn't getting in an airplane and traveling. That's not time travel. Like, they they find ways around it. I'm just like, just go to the 10th page because that's usually where you'll start finding the real time travel books where, you know, people actually travel from here to ancient Egypt, which is time travel. One of the categories that I think lately I've been seeing that people are putting books that absolutely do not belong there is YA. There are so many overly mature books that should probably be a new adult because they're, you're talking about, you know, characters who are quite a bit older than what would, you would typically see in YA. And some of the covers are literally on the verge of being erotica. And if, I, if my daughter went on Amazon and searched for, you know, Divergent series, which is, you know, in YA, and she comes up with like, two pages of a whole bunch of stuff that you know looks like it should be in the back of a video store with a sign that says 18 plus i'm gonna be pissed because that's not ya and i and you can call it ya all you want but it's new adult you're talking about college age students you're talking about 20 early 20s you know they're doing all the things that people who are in their 20s do and that's cool because i was in my 20s and i did that stuff too but i don't want my 14 year old who reads ya to be reading that stuff. So people are I, not paying attention to that. I, I think the, the pro now I, I have no doubt there's some people doing that on purpose, but I think a lot of people don't know the difference between YA and NA and, and new adult is such a new genre. Yeah. People just aren't grasping that it's a step up from YA. It's, it's, older children but not quite you know mature adults yet for the most part so I think that's where a lot of those listings comes from and, and I know that just based on some of the editing I've done for people they're like well this is you know yeah, YA-ish and I'm like oh no <laughs> no it's not <laughs> you know well the characters are between the right age and character is what they're doing is not YA <laughs> So I, I think that comes with the confusion and what you're seeing there. I don't think for the most part it is a deceptive practice. I think a lot of new authors especially don't know the difference. 
I had a, an author friend of mine. My characters in Stealing the Wolf Prince, I think they're like 25, which is the very end of New Adult. But she's like, hey, your characters fit within the New Adult genre. You should try marketing it as New Adult. I'm like, eh, it's, there's no coming of age, really. And that that's more what New Adult and Young Adult is, is for, is coming of age in that age, in the, this specific age bracket. <clears throat> so I'm like, just because I've got my characters in that age group doesn't mean it applies especially because there's there's they don't go to college it's secondary world they don't have the same same social social structure so although i mean I, I guess i could technically do that like that wouldn't it wouldn't be right to my readers to put it in that category because it's not it wouldn't meet genre expectations i'd probably get a bunch of one-star reviews because hey this is not young adult or new adult excuse me Right. Well, and when new authors start, that's one of the things, one of the advices that you're given is, hey, if you want to know what category to put your book in, go look at the top 100 books in this category. Well, if somebody's already fudged to the top 100 books in this category and you're like, oh, yeah, my book fits in, you know, right in with all these and they but they really shouldn't be in that category, then you're getting confused. So it is hard as a new author, especially to know where you're supposed to put stuff and where a reader's most likely to find you, and um, where can you put it so that they don't get pissed off when they pick up your book and it's not what, you know, you thought you were calling it when you labeled it that, and um, so yeah, and it's, it's hard because, you know, my publisher will say, come up with eight to ten keywords that, you know, most describe your book, and I'm like, that's really hard because, you know, I'm a, a genre masher anyway, you know, and um, so I'm doing fantasy, witches and wizards, werewolves and shifters, um, magical realism, fantasy romance, steampunk, you know, alternate timeline, alternate history, and it's time travel, but not really. So I always X that one out because they're not really time traveling. And, you know, all these things. And then I'm like, and then I have to go through and say, okay, it's not this. Check that one off. It's not this. Check that one off because... You know, I could technically label it those things, but it's not really that. So it gets very difficult, especially when you don't have those firmly drawn lines. You know, like Judge and Jury is absolutely 100% paranormal romance, except the hero comes from another dimension, another planet across the universe from far, far away, and he's thousands of years old. Technically, it's science fiction romance, but she's a witch. So technically, it's paranormal. So, you know, so I just kept it in paranormal, and I'm like, it's got witches in it. They don't, you know, you don't have to get too concerned about where he came from because she's a witch, and, you know, it happens on Earth, and you don't have to travel to any other planets or get in a spaceship, so we'll stay away from science fiction. But technically, it could be in science fiction, but it's not. So when you start playing around with those things and you start adding all these little pieces of things, then you're like, well, shit, where does this go now? Because, you know, somebody who hates science fiction is going to pick up my book and say, this guy's an alien. Well, he looks human. Good enough. <laughs> you know, so it gets really hard. And I understand how things can end up in wrong categories. Um, and I, Paulina, where do, where do your gargoyles fall? Like, are they... Are they monsters? You know what I mean? Because I think there's probably a monster romance category. No, I'm they're not monsters. They're monsters. I'm just asking. Jeez. <laughs> they're inhuman, unhuman. 
Yes, but they're not I'm monsters. I'm PC about these gargoyles, but... Jeez. Right. Calling my baby monsters. Let me see. I actually have no... I have a hard time because there's witches, of course. There's alternative world because they have a different dimension. There's... Oh, God. So I just, I put them as fantasy. I write it as fantasy romance, urban rom and urban fantasy, because it is, it's, they, all of them start out in like, um, well, one starts out in a small town in the middle of, I remember Texas, Arizona, somewhere. But um, then there's parts where they're in New York. Um, in this one, you're going to find them in um, California. There's, so it's kind of urban, but then they're most of the fighting and stuff is done in their in like you know in their realm. So I I really don't have somewhere to put them, and that's the funny part is that I think that's why I have a little trouble, honestly, with selling is because they don't shift to humans. So shifter readers are like kind of turned off, but fantasy readers like it, and it's yeah, it's. It's like paranormal, yes, but no, because because they don't sh they don't shift. They, they don't are from human. secondary world, though. They right? are They're secondary world. They're but visiting, most, but most paranormal. Well, they are from Earth. They, I mean, every creature came from Earth and parallel were created. But in paranormal romance, people expect to read about. If they if it is a gargoyle, if it is a werewolf, if it is a phoenix, they they shift to human form in paranormal. They expect them to be human. They're not human. They don't pretend to be human. They're I they're the way they think. The way well, I mean, they kind of talk human because of course you know they pick up they have slang and stuff, but their whole way of thinking, the whole way of doing stuff is so not human. So, do, do readers find that hard to have? They told you that that's hard to connect to a, a character who's not human. I've actually, I've never had a reader tell me that. A lot of readers that read it actually come up and say, "Oh my God, now I see gargoyles in a whole new light." That's we, good. That's a testament to your writing because yeah, a lot of readers have a hard time connecting to inhuman species. Well, I don't make the because the way I look at it is I don't make the I don't make the girls and guys who fall in love with them. I don't make them concentrate on the fact that they're not human. Like a lot of books you read where the people aren't human. Um, there's, yeah, there's a lot of pagan books. Like where people aren't human, a lot of the authors, they, they, they make the characters focus on that. Like, you know, on, oh, wait, he's not human. His inhuman face is inhuman this. And I'm like, no, there's beauty in that. So they don't focus on the fact that they're not human, which I think takes away, it makes the reader... Not forget that they're not human, but the reader doesn't concentrate on it either. I mean, even in the sex scenes, yeah, they have wings and they have talons that they have to watch out for, but in all, they still have a little winker and they have, you know what I mean? Like, they have all the things that they need to, to be human and to read. I can't wait to do the part where they have a baby with them. That's going to be funny as heck because gargoyles have hatchlings, so they have eggs. <laughs> Yes, I already wrote the scene, but I, I don't have trouble, but um, I'm looking at the side. Um, mythology, I can try, because it's, but it's alternative mythology, because it doesn't follow any, like I have gods in the beginning, but it's no gods that everybody knows. 
they're elemental gods. So still mythology, regardless. Yeah, but like I, I do market. Like I have, I think, I think it is marketed in mythology. But the, I had a, I've had somebody ask me before, well, which gods, and I'm just like mine. <laughs> like I made them up, whatever. So um, I know that one of them, I know that it's in their keywords, but maybe that's what I should do. I should market more mythology than anywhere well, else. Because the gargoyles themselves, you may have made and created your own gods, your own pantheon, and that's fine. Uh, but gargoyles themselves are ancient folktale and, and mythos. I mean, you didn't make, just create them. So they fall under mythology, in my opinion. Yeah, I never thought of that. Well, just like when I was doing Providence, and um, as an homage to my husband, who's a huge H.P. Lovecraft fan, um, we all know Cthulhu Mythos is not technically a religion. Um, you know, Lovecraft made it up. But in Providence, basically, I took the mythos and I put it together with Norse mythology and the idea of Ragnarok. So, you know, when the old gods rise, you're talking about gods. So, you know, you're talking about Yala and you're talking about Yogg-Sasoth and all these other, you know, old Cthulhu and gods that are coming, but they're bringing about Ragnarok. So you can smash up your mythologies and your pantheons any way you want, but I, it still can go in the mythology category. Um, because you're talking about gods and goddesses, you're talking about a pantheon, you're talking about a belief system, whether you created it or not, I still think it, it might fall within that category. Huh. In that case, I'm going to have to go redo my keywords. Elle, <laughs> um, do your, in stealing the wolf prints, your wolf can they shift to human form, right? Right. So, like when they have sex or they do intimate things, they are all in human form? Because that's something that some shifter readers are particular about, like, you know. I've read books where they've had sex as shifters. It's weird. Like, as a wolf? Everybody like a wolf me. and a yeah. human? Everybody, mm -hmm. everybody no. that I've ever said tells me that's weird. I agree. I think yeah, that, that's, that's weird. Reader, that's weird. No, like, well, everything is off the page. So all the intimate moments where things, where people are doing things with their clothes off, it's off the page. But in, in my, in my setting, um, the wolfkin are, are born as human and they don't actually start shifting until they hit puberty. Um, and they, they may as humans. So. Right. So yeah. no. a lot of shifters, their wolf is a separate entity from them. You know, like the, they're two, um, creatures that exist in I don't kind like of the same that. body. Now see, but they're Sing, more symbiotic. Sing does that though. And I, I like that inside changelings. I like the fact that, um, it's not like a sentient being, but it's like a, Oh God. What's the word I'm looking for? It's like an impulse or whatever. <coughs> <laughs> impulse control. Y'all that's what we're discussing right now. Um, yeah, so I just wondered if if your shifters ever get jiggy with it, or more, <laughs> or if well, obviously they do because they manage to procreate. But I don't write about it on the page. But back to the the idea of sticking things in mythology, I should totally stick my steampunk in mythology because the source of Magitech that's going to be rising in the book is from Merlin's descendants. That's totally mythology. I am such a dunce. And guys, stop making really inappropriate comments in the chat. It's really distracting. 
We're trying to have a serious discussion and y'all are talking about terrible things over there. You know what? Maybe mythology is a is a category we haven't dived into. My mythology, fantasy. All of my fantasy romance are they're they are secondary categorized as mythology. I've never done it. And I, I I think maybe every time I, I've know, hit top one hundred with desolation, it's been in the mythology and, and mythos category. Well, tonight I'm gonna get my butt to read categorizing it. Maybe to help me. People who are looking for uh, stories about gods redemption. and goddesses aren't particularly always looking for the standard gods and goddesses they know. They're just looking for that ideal in the book that they're reading. Well, yeah, totally made me like Egyptian out. ones, like like Isha's book that's coming out, because that's going to be awesome. There's not enough Egyptian pantheon stories, in my opinion, because it's extremely interesting. And I'm totally ancient aliens. So I'm just telling you that you can mix a little mythology and science fiction too. So I'm just I'm not you. saying it was aliens, but it was aliens. <laughs> but it was aliens. Pretty soon my I'm hair's gonna, gonna go start more, getting bigger. I'm trying to go more African without doing Egyptian gods. It's harder because there's not as many written stories or verbal, but I'm lucky because I asked one of my friends who works with me. He's from Africa, so I'm asking him about his gods because they're more verbal tells in Africa than they are written. So are you talking ha like I'm not saying Haitian because Haiti is obviously not in Africa, but they have very similar pantheons and very similar tales. So are you looking at more like Nigerian? Are you looking at South Africa or the whole of? No, one group I find fascinating is Yoruba. They're a sub. They're actually all the Nigeria, South Africa area. It's a. It's a. Um, it's a tribe that has now become more integrated, and their gods are pretty freaking cool. Like, uh, amazing cool. Like you're like what? Like just their whole how creation happened is like boom, mind blown. So, like I want to do them and other stories that's only verbal. I so, um, have always been interested in that. I think that ideal, the idea of creation stories, and I like Native American mythology. It's just really overdone, especially with the wolf shifter, you know, the whole shifter pan pantheon and the, the whole stories that you find. A lot of times they're like Native American based, and so it's hard to find something that hadn't already been touched on. But I always enjoyed that, I the creation story, and they're, they're like, you know, well, in Africa is because two brothers were fighting, and well, the Yubura, and so I guess two brothers were fighting, and one brother took the father trusted the older brother and gave him the seeds of life, and the younger brother got him drunk and stole them, and that's how humans were created. But because the father was mad because he stole them, he he basically punished him to live, um, to forever live on Earth with the humans. It's like it's it's interesting. You're just like, wait, what? Like, we come from little seeds, and brothers are like, I want it. No, I want it. So, I mean, it, it's like a family deal. And, like, the evil auntie, she's like, a, she's where the mermaids come from. She's called the water goddess. She sounds she's like not nice. Witch. Yeah, but she's not nice. So, it's, it's like, what? Okay, seriously, <laughs> I'm going to just stop reading the signs. <laughs> just stop reading the side chat. <laughs> All right. 
So, okay, so we had talked about where the book was placed on Amazon, and we've talked about genre, and we've talked about all those things. Um, so let's just, we'll just very quickly, since Elle and I are the only ones that finished it, we'll just very quickly say, um, I enjoyed the book. I thought it was good. Um, if you enjoy fantasy romance, this is a good fantasy romance. Um, ignore the spoilers, obviously, um, but there are some other books in the series that you could pick up and um, go from there. So, is there anything else anyone wants to say before we close out for the night? The cover was awesome. I, I will say that. The cover was beautiful. And she's <laughs> our resident it. cover artist. <laughs> and I agree, it was very eye-catching cover. That, that's actually I why I downloaded it. I didn't even read the blurb. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but, I'll tell you one thing, though. That cover does not say fantasy romance to me. There is no man on that cover at all. It is strictly the female character. And he's there, but he's the bird thing flying around her head. So I would have to say that that cover is not very fantasy romance, even though the story itself is. So If you look at it on Goodreads, it's actually got a different color. So I think she might have rebranded it with new covers, which is fine. It's totally understandable. But that cover also didn't scream fantasy romance because it was a woman standing with like a bow pointed kind of off the off the front. I'm like, well, that doesn't scream fantasy romance either. So, yeah. Right. I think we're all in agreement that if you're going to have a, a romance cover, you, you should at least have a couple or uh, outlines or, you know, something that denotes the romantic theme, whether you don't do a couple. I mean, some people don't want to put faces on their covers. And I get that. But um, I mine is mine is romance, and I don't have cover people faces. Yeah, but so you're. I gotta read mine. And it's hard to say because you know your characters are monsters, so. <laughs> They're not monsters. <laughs> I'm kidding. The I'm kidding. Are they witches? I'm just saying that her cover screams sword and sorcery as opposed to romance. Right. Your cover says Witch's Amulet, and there's a Witch's Amulet right on it, so it's pretty straightforward. <laughs> it's right there. You explained exactly what the picture is right underneath it, so there's no confusion. But, um, but yeah, so. Okay, so I think we're going to wrap this up tonight, unless anyone has anything else that they want to say. Um, so thank you for joining us, everyone. If you like the podcast, please like, comment, and share. This has been Episode 17.